Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business for the past 28 years. All right, let's dive into this bad boy today. I had a great question come across from a client today, and it was about blood sugar. They wanted to know a little bit more about it and if it can cause fatigue. And the answer is yes. So let's talk about blood sugar today. I think it's a great topic. I think it's not understood very well. And um, I definitely can uh, feel the effects at times from hypoglycemia, which is when my blood sugar drops. So I've got some notes here I want to go over and uh, I'm going to start with some of the basics. So what is blood sugar? Blood sugar is your glucose that is in your veins that is circulating through your body. So when you go to the doctor and you get your lab work done, one of the things they look at is your fasting glucose levels. And um, if they're higher than 100, typically the doctor might say you're a little hyperglycemic. This is, of course, if you're fasting. Pre-diabetic, they may call it, depending on how high. And when your fasting glucose reaches 126, they uh, will diagnose you most likely with diabetes. I say most likely because I'm sure they would want to check again to make sure that it's not a false positive test. Um, now, adult onset diabetes is when it comes on more as an adult. And really what that means in the old days, it meant that you were insulin resistant and not insulin dependent. Type 1 diabetes, they used to call more adolescent childhood diabetes, is uh, insulin dependent. And... Um, that means that it was not necessarily due to the effects of aging, poor diet and lifestyle, but more due to something going on with the pancreas. Now we're starting to see some type 2 diabetes, which is insulin resistance, which is typically, again, brought on by lifestyle. I shouldn't even say aging, it's really more lifestyle. We're starting to see that in kids and teenagers, which is really, really sad. So that's what those numbers are. Glucose is a monosaccharide. That means that it is the lowest form of carbohydrate that there is. And that's what is flowing through your bloodstream to, quote, give you energy or really to help resynthesize ATP to give you energy. We store glycogen, which is stored glucose, Glycogen is stored glucose. We store it in our bodies and we need it. We store 500 grams of sugar, so glycogen in our body, 400 grams in our muscles, all of them, and 100 grams in our liver. When we start to run out of glycogen, which really shouldn't happen, that's only going to happen if we're on a low-carb diet or if we're exercising at a pretty good intensity for greater than two hours, then we will absolutely start to run out of glycogen if we haven't done something to boost the glycogen, which in the sports world we call it glycogen sparing. So you're taking in some glucose and some sugar during the events, during the training, so you're not using your stored glycogen and you can spare it. 
because once you run out of glycogen, you can't even use the glucose immediately that you ingest. So you're always trying to battle maintaining a pretty high level of glycogen. So right away, and I, and I just started talking about this, you're probably already thinking, well, geez, what about those people on a low-carb diet? That, that doesn't sound good. That sounds like they're always running out of glycogen and they have low blood sugar levels. Ding, 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 ding. Bingo. Yes and no, you're correct. Or yes, you're correct. That is not a good thing if that's what you were thinking. So that's what glycogen and glucose is okay so glycogen is stored glucose and glucose is the blood sugar that when you think of low and high blood sugars that's what we're talking about all right so what happens then when we start to run low on blood sugar typically that means we're starting to burn it off from our liver the 100 grams that we have stored and when we start to get low on blood sugar that immediately sends messages to the brain that you need to eat and here is why blood sugar or glucose is the only nutrient that your brain can use for fuel you, your brain cannot use fat and your brain cannot use protein for energy so the brain starts to get a little panicky when there's not enough glucose floating around the old the old blood vessels and, and into the circulatory system so it starts sending little messages out there and the messages are actually in the form of glucagon which is not to be confused with insulin but glucagon and glucagon flows through your bloodstream telling your body you need to eat and that's when you start feeling a little bit um, dizzy potentially low energy potentially shaky potentially and you might even start to feel those hunger pangs now, I've talked about this in a previous podcast. Hunger is physiological, and most of us don't know hunger. We don't live in a third world nation, so we really do not know hunger. Hunger is physiological, and it would take days for us to really technically be hungry. But when we're running low on glucose, we're going to feel like we're hungry because your body is sending out chemical messengers, and the chemical messengers is in the form of glucagon, and glucon, glucagon is telling you that you need to eat. We want to cut that off at the pass, so to say. We don't really want to get to that point. It's more important to keep nice, stable glucose levels. And I'm going to talk about that right now. When you eat carbohydrates in any form, it starts to break down into glucose. Carbohydrates primarily come from plants. The only carbohydrates that you can get from animal products is in the form of dairy. Milk and yogurt has some carbs. Cheese really does not. But that's the only form you can get from uh, the animal kingdom is in the form of dairy. The rest of carbohydrates come from plants. When we eat carbohydrates, we start to break down the carbohydrates immediately. Literally. Carbohydrates are the only nutrient, macronutrient, and macronutrients are protein, carbs, and fat, that starts to break down literally in your mouth. Literally. Uh, I know I'm getting a little technical here, but why not? It's fun. There's a something called salivary amylase, and salivary amylase is in your saliva, 
and it starts to break down the glucose immediately. So when people say, oh wow, so you, you absorb and digest carbohydrates in your stomach, not true. It actually begins in your mouth. It's the only macronutrient where that's true. Why? Because you need it and you need it immediately and your body is pretty damn smart in case you haven't figured that out yet. So when we eat any form of carbohydrate, the, the breakdown begins immediately. Now, what happens then is whether you eat a high glycemic index carbohydrate or a low glycemic index carbohydrate will depend upon how quickly it's broken down and how quickly you can use it. High glycemic index carbohydrates, which we used to just call simple sugars, break down quicker and get into your bloodstream quicker. So there's a purpose for that. When you're really bonking on carbohydrates, you're going to need that. Here's the problem with that. The more of those you ingest, the more insulin your body is also producing. It is insulin's job to carry the glucose through the barriers. That's its job, through the cells. So insulin is a glucose carrier. The more glucose you consume or high glycemic carbohydrates you consume at one time, the more you're going to spike your insulin levels. Can that cause diabetes? Not necessarily cause it, but it's absolutely a factor to it because like anything, your body or your cells can become intolerant to the glucose, uh, to the insulin. And that's when you become insulin resistant, which is type two diabetes. That's not a good thing. The other thing that's not so great about having all the insulin to your body is that's where we start to develop a lot of belly fat. So don't go on a little tangent going, oh my God, I knew carbs make me fat. That's not true. You need carbohydrates and there's a way to manage this insulin response. Okay. So that's what insulin's job is. You know what glucagon's job is. And now you know what glucose's job is, is to provide energy. So here's one big key. Don't wait until your glucose levels drop to where you feel like you got to eat all these high glycemic index carbohydrates. You might be thinking, so what are those? That's going to be fruit juices, sweet sugars, things like that. But it can also be certain fruits like pineapple, watermelon, raisins, so some dried fruits, believe it or not, peas and carrots. Those are all, and plus, of course, the real deal, the processed crap like Coca-Cola and sugar. So that's all high glycemic index carbohydrates. Those are things that are going to cause your blood sugar levels to spike higher. And you may need that. If you're diabetic and you're starting to really drop, and you know, I've witnessed it, you need to have some of those around to quickly get your blood sugar up because when when somebody is a type 1 diabetic especially and they start to have a blood sugar crash the real seriousness of diabetes other than the fact it can lead to heart disease is when the person goes into hypoglycemia not hyperglycemia so you want to make sure that they always have those high glycemic index carbohydrates around we always keep them at the gym just in case because we have seen crashes before okay so we don't necessarily want that to happen. So what we do want is a steady stream of glucose. Every three to four hours, which really tends to work out really well, 
And for those of you that know me know that I always talk about, you know, keep it simple, stupid and have the breakfast, lunch and dinner. Good reason for that. When you skip meals, you're going to let the glucose levels drop too much, which can lead to brain fog, lack of concentration, or even more problematic than that, it can cause some serious issues, literally like passing out if you are prone to that. And obviously, we don't want that. So if you eat lower glycemic index carbohydrates for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, chances are you're going to keep the glucose levels at a nice level all the time. So lower glycemic index carbohydrates are your typical complex carbohydrates. Sweet potatoes are good. Oats are good. Sourdough and rye bread are good. Sweetened, overly ripened bananas, green apples, most berries. If you go to the animal kingdom, yogurt in that is a pretty low glycemic index carbohydrate. So those are all really nice choices to always keep your blood sugar at a nice level place. Again, we don't want it to get too low. We don't want it to spike. The thing we hate the most is moderation. We want to keep it slap dab in the middle. Now here's another trick for you that I learned as a physiologist and sports nutritionist. There's a way to manipulate the glycemic index as well. So what do higher glycemic index carbohydrates have in common? Number one, they are very low in fiber. And of course, number two, they're very high in sugar, but it's not just the sugar. So it's the fiber that is really, really critical. If you consume fiber with your carbohydrates, which common sense would say, then eat carbohydrates with high fiber. There you go. But let's say you don't. Let's say you're in a situation where you have um, a special K or something like that for your cereal, which, you know, it, it's more of a, uh, a white rice derivative. So the glycemic index on it is most, I'd have to look it up, but I'm going to guess it's most likely pretty high. If you have something fibrous with it, it's going to lower the glycemic index. So if, if the, you know, if the medical experts didn't confuse us enough with all this, you know, back in the day, they, they just called it, uh, simple carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, or polysaccharides and disaccharides. Now they got to confuse us with this glycemic index. They take it one more level and they talk about glycemic load. Glycemic load is the amount of carbohydrate times the index of the carbohydrate, which basically means this. If you eat less of high glycemic index carbs, it's going to have less of a load. The other thing that will keep the load lower, again, is if you consume it with fiber. The other thing you can do is consume it with protein. Protein and fiber will lower the glycemic index, therefore lower the glycemic load, therefore less of a blood sugar spike. Bing, bang, boom. Did I just say boom? Yes, I did. Boom. You now have a good meal, which is why one of my rules is always eat balanced meals. Try to stay away from just eating one thing like you know, someone might think a bagel is a bad thing. That's not necessarily true. A sourdough bagel, a rye bagel, low in glycemic index, high in complex carbohydrates, 
Some of them, depending on the kind you get, are higher in fiber. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good carbohydrate. Eat it with a little bit of protein and you're going to have a lower glycemic load and it's perfect. So we have to get away from the carb phobia and we have to learn a lot more about what are lower or at least medium glycemic index carbohydrates. That's one of the best things you can do for weight maintenance is to get yourself a nice list of those. I supply them if you want them. I'll get them for you. But that's a nice little trick and that's what we want to do. All right. Finally, 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 for my drinkers out there, all right, you have to understand that alcohol, and I'm not, you know, look, I don't want to piss people off, you know, and the reality is this, though. Alcohol is a poison, okay? I think everybody knows that, but it also works a lot against us with blood sugar. If you notice on a lot of labels, sometimes they're pretty tricky about how they'll label carbohydrates and they'll say alcohol sugars. Alcohol works a lot like sugar, okay? It is going to spike those glucose levels. So we have to be careful with that. If we're really struggling with our glucose levels, if we're feeling periods of hyperglycemia where um, maybe you you have insulin spikes and really you'd only know that through a blood test, I mean, you're not going to feel it, or periods of lower glucose levels, so hypoglycemia, or you're putting on a little weight. It, it, of course, it all comes back to the calorie equation. But at the same time, you might have some issues with balancing these sugars and carbohydrates. So it's going to be hard to maintain a nice glucose level, glycogen level, if we're drinking too much. We, we really have to be careful with that. One final note on that. Um, I worked in Stuart Marchman for a long time, and it, it was pretty interesting that even way back, this was in the 90s, that we used to tell a lot of the people that were in recovery that they might be experiencing greater sugar cravings because of the alcohol that they used to consume because alcohol has the same effect. You drink, you raise your insulin levels, you get a little, say, of course we can get addicted to alcohol, that's beside the point. But you get almost a little addicted to that glucose insulin spike as well. So one of the tricks we used to tell the people in recovery was that obviously alcohol is more problematic for them than sugar at the moment. So we would tell them to carry around some candy because clearly we would rather deal with you know a little bit of um, overweight issues you know later and help them get sober. That was a little more of a priority at the time. But that, you know, we would tell them to keep some carbohydrate on hand and some protein, you know, um, maybe some peanuts as well, just to kind of settle themselves because if they're craving alcohol, it may just have been a blood sugar crash they were feeling. And obviously we'd rather have them get satiated with some carbohydrate and protein than with alcohol when they're in recovery. So that's just a little you know, note that I thought you might find interesting. Um, And this was a long time ago. One final note on all this, we give the medical experts a really hard time often when it comes to diet. But you know what? When, When people are working with their diabetic patients, the diabetic diet is spot on. I mean, it. they really know, when I say they, the medical industry in this area really knows what it's talking about. I mean, 
they're very good at helping people know how many carbohydrate grams to eat and um, you know what kind of effect it's going to have on them. So when somebody is following a diabetic diet from their doctor, I typically have a lot more success with them because I mean, you know, they, they take it more serious. I mean, it's more like life and death and, you know, in, in very many ways it is. So anyway, I thought that that was a absolute great question today. And uh, I appreciate the question and it's very important. At this point, I would like to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. And they are phenomenal. They are awesome. We really thank them for their contribution. They are fit. They are healthy. And if you need any help with your real estate needs, please give them a shout at thegildengroup.com. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.